You are about to listen to an episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Each week, co-hosts Dan and Tony will explore topics about finance and retirement. It's fun, informative, and most of all useful to those who are interested in retiring successfully. Now, let's begin the show. Hello and welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio Show. My name is Dan Wendell. I am the owner of Dolphin Financial Group and co-host of this podcast. Today's show is going to be about a very interesting topic. You can notice the background I have. It's very Matrix-like. It's very crypto-like. And that's why we're talking about cryptocurrencies. And if you remember, my co-host Tony, who I'm going to bring in next, we talked about cryptocurrencies back in the day. And I was going to bring in a clip of Tony's commentary on Bitcoin from early 2019 to embarrass him, but instead I'm just going to let him come in the show and embarrass himself. Tony, (laughs) welcome to the show. We're talking about cryptocurrency today. Do you remember talking about crypto back in early 2019? Yeah, and as far as me embarrassing myself, I I don't need that video clip to do that, Dan. We don't need... (laughs) I, no, we I, don't. I, we don't. But I do that I, on the show every week. So I know that you and I, I can we can embarrass each other all the time. But have we <laughs> both been embarrassed by bringing? I'm going to embarrass both of us by bringing in a next guest who works with Dolphin Financial Group and is going oh, to wow. embarrass us by explaining cryptocurrency to us. Okay. But and before I do, I want to remind you. Do you remember what? We, when we talked about cryptocurrency, you remember what Bitcoin was like priced at roughly? Do you I don't. Um, I know that it had went way up and then crashed instantly and, and just dropped and bottomed. And uh, people right. were wary of it and it was being used to money launder. So I, you know, of course I pooped it. That was your quote. In fact, yeah. I listened to the show and you said, uh, yeah, I don't own cryptocurrency and it's shady. It's shady. That yeah, was that's your take on. Yep, it's it's shady. You still shady. feel that way? Yes. Well, it was approaching twenty thousand. Uh huh. And um, then we had that show, and we talked about whether or not it would break twenty thousand, and it did. And then it subsequently dropped to like six thousand. And we were geniuses because you said, "Don't touch it." I said, "It's an interesting thing to do for a small yeah. portion." But yeah. going back to your quote, Tony, you, you didn't poo poo it. You said you, you encourage people to say, Hey, you know, don't put everything in there, but you know, you, you might as well try it. That's right. And, um, going, building on your point of it being shady, I want to play a quick video clip of Warren Buffett and his take okay. on cryptocurrency. And then when that video clips over our friend and new co-host for today's show, Jonah Faulkner is going to be joining us. So let's All right. get Let's watch this video. Now, this is Warren Buffett on CNBC talking about cryptocurrency. Let's see what he has to say about it. At one point this weekend, you said that Bitcoin, and this was basically, you were asked, Charlie said Bitcoin's like rat poison. You were asked about that comment, and you said, well, it's probably more like uh, rat poison squared. Uh, Charlie went on in the meeting to then basically call Bitcoin turds. Um, he, he is an expressive sort. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when he gets a little older, he'll, he'll mature. <laughs> Speaking of getting a little older, we just got Uh-oh. a little younger and brought on Jonah Faulkner of Dolphin Financial Group. Jonah is an investment advisor rep. So that's a good time for me to remind the viewers and listeners, we are not providing 
guidance today. We are not providing investment advice. We are just talking about cryptocurrency and how it relates. But let's get into it. Jonah, thanks for joining us. You ready to talk about cryptocurrency? I I'm I'm ready to hopefully break down uh, the the quite substantial resistance it sounds like Tony has and I'm sure that many <laughs> others do so that we can finally bring about this renaissance of money. Um so the the way that I would best describe how transformational bitcoin is and cryptocurrencies at large is um if, if we're familiar with the Medici or however you say that banking family's name in Italy, what really separated them from, you know, other banks of the time was their double ledger system, their, their system of accounts. And that kind of gave them the confidence that they needed to facilitate these loans. Um, and they made a killing. They got a whole bunch of political power because of it. And that is now the standard. So all of the accounting everywhere that we see on your taxes, your income, your income taxes, uh, you know, filings, uh, corporate filings, bank, bank statements, uh, corporate ledgers, you know, balance sheets, profit loss statements. All of those are using the double system, the double ledger account system. Um, in Bitcoin, some cases, uh, go ahead. some cases, like so, some part of the ledger is a little heavier than the others. Like in Tony's case, we looked at his ledger <laughs> on lunch you'd see like pizza buffets far outweighing yeah. being in the red, right? Yeah. There's no, there's no income from pizza buffets, a lot of outflow. Yeah. And the key word there is heavy. Uh, they would be heavy on the pizza buffets. Yes. <laughs> Literally so, and figuratively. Just, I, I, I made that small historical aside to say that that is the way in which I, I personally see Bitcoin and what makes Bitcoin different than other transmission, other payment systems is Bitcoin is both a currency and a payment system. So it is simultaneously, you know, like a U.S. dollar or um, a ruble or a renminbi or, you know, it is a currency unit, but it is also the network on which the payment is processed. And how on earth is that possible? Well, there's a paper called White Paper, and it was made by this guy named Satoshi Nakamoto, which is... Uh, definitely a pseudonym. They'd have no idea who this person is. They actually found a Japanese guy who had his name. Uh, actually, no, he came forth when it, with the name Satoshi Nakamoto. And he was like, he just, I, I want to let everyone know it's not me. I'm not him. Um, anyway. Well, he'd be super Poor rich, guy. though, right? <laughs> I, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's something of great speculation. Is the creator of Bitcoin, you know, holding a bunch of Bitcoin, you know, are they just insanely wealthy living, you know, hidden in the Cayman Islands or something? It, it, I mean, it's possible. Every, everything really is possible, but just gold, you know, can be used as a currency, you know, but it's not a payment system. PayPal is a payment system, but it's not a currency. Bitcoin is both, and that is what is truly revolutionary about it. It is, it is a trustless banking system in effect. So the, the mechanism by which Bitcoins are produced is called mining. What is mining? It's not, you know, you're not swinging a pickaxe at your computer. Your computer is doing a mathematical problem, and that mathematical problem essentially is Figuring out are these all 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 of these transactions legit? Is the money John sending from Susie? Is it actually there? Is it actually moving? Has it successfully moved? 
each of those confirmations are done publicly. So like each person that is running Bitcoin mining software is helping facilitate transactions on the network. And why would they do that? Why would I burn electricity in my home, you know, raise my electrical bill to help, you know, some banking system that I don't benefit from? Well, you do benefit from it. You get what are called mining rewards. So each time that um, a block is mined, um, there's a reward that scales downward. So when it first, when it, when Bitcoin first came about, it was higher. And after every two years, it halves. So I don't know what the payout now is. I think it was 25 and then it was 12 and a half and it just progressively gets less and less and less and less and less. So you have so both. What you're saying is people, and that's where the word cryptocurrency came from, because these mm. are, these computers are actually solving cryptography or some sort of Exactly. Exactly. So if you, equations. if you go, Tony, you, are you, Tony, you're, are you mining cryptocurrency as we speak? Cause I see a lot. One of you is, I could just feel the heat coming from your, <laughs> are those, those aren't actual CDs on the back. I've those got are, a separate, that's a, that my server rack is behind that's your there. server rack yeah. and you're mining crypto. So what's the current yeah. rate, Tony, every time you mine a crypto, you get a Bitcoin. Uh, I I don't know <laughs> what I get. That's the problem. Oh, see, he's being coy, Jonah. I'm sorry to interrupt. But I think that was a pretty interesting part, which is why I have this matrix stuff here, because it's mm. all numbers, and it's computers running the show. So right. people are, are, are making money by making sure the transactions are accurate. Well, the weird thing – so I kind of want to back up and talk about money. Like what is money and why are, why do we consider the U.S. dollar to have value? It's, it's because it's a widely uh, accepted currency. Why is it widely accepted? Well, it's mandated that we use it as currency. Um, so there's, no, there's nothing but like regulatory hurdles, you know, challenging – Bitcoin, you know, the, the, the dominance of the world is the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin upsetting that poses problems that that's a that's, you know, the, I, I doubt the Federal Reserve is on board with that. I doubt that our um, our federal government is on board with that. Um, but but ultimately, it's might be and these other countries oh, that have hyperinflation like uh, absolutely. I, was, I think absolutely a couple of shows ago, Tony, I was showing you I think I might have it here. I'm looking. No, I don't. Um, I had that Zimbabwean million dollar uh, note and mm, uh, it's yep. probably worth 10 cents, you know, or something. Exactly. Um, hyperinflation is a big issue. If, if people don't want to use their current, their currency in their country, they use the U S dollar because it's more stable. So this is, we're talking about crypto, but I also just wanted to talk about virtual currency in one aspect. So we talked about how I play games. That's, that's, that's known. I play games. There's a game that I play called Old School RuneScape. It's played in prisons um, on mobile phones. I just knew, I just found out about this. But beyond that, there have been Venezuelans playing the game as a career. They do it to earn money and they earn substantially more doing it. Um, they, so they, they do whatever. They kill dragons in the game and they get dragon bones and they go to the market and they sell it for the gold pieces in game. And then they sell it to a middleman or direct to a buyer like me or someone else in the States with like disposable U.S. dollars to further our progress in the game. And that puts them at like the upper echelon of earners in Venezuela. So 
uh, virtual currency, just because you can't see it, just because you can't feel it, it, that I know personally that digital currency has substantial value. And just to go to the to directly to Tony's concern about it being shady. Well, I think before you go there, I think you've solved the concern. The mention of dragons and dragon blood and bones. Tony, I think he's in. He is in. I don't wow. think. Uh, are you, I think he's. he's you know, <laughs> no. I think he's going to move to Venezuela and start slaying dragons. Oh my goodness! No, but in reality, Jonah, this is this is us being totally upfront about like the generational gap between what is crypto. But I've seen a lot lately. We talked about it, Tony, um, on the news. Just companies are starting to use cryptocurrencies for real, like the, the institutional hmm. investors, and people are making a lot of money doing this. A lot. Wow. Of I guess I'm just a Luddite. I think that's the word. Um, you know, I, I'm skeptical because I don't understand it. And I'm the first to admit it gets complicated. And the more I hear, you know, Jonah and others who are really uh, knowledgeable about it, talk about it, the more confused I get. And uh, I'm the first to admit that uh, if I could wrap my head around it, I'd be all about it. I love supporting uh, new things. I'm an early adapter when it comes to technology. Um, but, and I love computers. So, uh, you know, I have those little aspects going for me, but I still can't wrap my head around it. And I hear so many things, uh, warning flags that pop up, you know, about, you know, anything that uh, involves, uh, your, you know, you explained it with computers and you set up, uh, you do mining and it just seems to me that uh, it's too, if you don't fully understand it, it would be too easy to be susceptible to be uh, taken advantage of or get hacked. Uh, is that a concern? Um, there are many, many, many different things that you just went over. And I just want to start yeah. with the first thing, um, which is, you know, just generally having the heebie-jeebies about something that you can't understand. What I want right. to draw your attention to and kind of, not fearmonger, but drum up what I feel is a reasonable sense of unease. Um, you have any? You have any idea what the Federal Reserve banking? Not no, sorry, not Federal Reserve, fractional reserve banking. You have any idea what that means? Um, a, a little bit. I mean, isn't that what you talked about um, at the beginning? Isn't that the the banking system and how it works with the ledgers? Does it involve that? So it absolutely does involve that. And the, effectively, the way that our system works is if you go to the bank and you deposit $100, yep. they say you have $100 in your account. You look at your account, it has $100 in it. In their account, they have $100, but Susie Q comes in after you and says she wants a loan for $90. They say, okay, you know, we're only required to keep 10% of you know what we require for you know deposits on our books. We can invest the rest. So We'll loan that $90 out to Susie and Susie comes back and deposits it. And now we do another $90 loan or an $80 sure. loan or whatever. And it, so the money sure. supply is increasing without your approval, without my approval, right. without the approval of Congress. And that's sure. deflating the value of our money. Right. Okay. So unless we're actively taking steps to address that, we are losing money without realizing it, which is like the most sinister tax that you could imagine. Imagine a secret tax that you're unaware of. Yeah. Um, so 
the problem that Bitcoin aims to solve and in its code, in its in, in the code that made it, there is a this is actually the next thing after this thing here, but in the code that made it, it's called the Genesis block, like undoubtedly, like, you know, Genesis in the Bible and Genesis and uh, however many other, other religions, oh, you know, you the beginning. Tony. You just had Tony. He was thinking the band. He was thinking yeah. Bill Collins. <laughs> oh, you know, so he Peter had, Gabriel. You got him. I'm sorry. You got him on the hook. Keep going. Yeah. This is okay, good. Okay, Keep okay. going. Yeah. All right. So within the block, there's code, right? And it's code that doesn't resemble English. It's, you know, a bunch of spaces and characters and you look at it and it like hurts your brain. You're like, what is this? I, I no idea what I'm looking at. And then like very randomly in the middle of all that un, unintelligible, all those unintelligible characters, there's plain English. And that plain English says, quote, the times January 3rd, 2009 chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks. So that's widely thought to be a critique on fractional reserve banking and how inherently unstable it is. So when everyone goes to withdraw their money all at once, it's not there. Yeah, that never happens with Bitcoin. If you have it in your wallet, you have it. If you lose access to your wallet, you don't have it. It doesn't matter if it's yours. That's kind of a double edged sword. And that's an interesting point, because I saw some recent articles about someone that actually purchased Bitcoin years ago or got some through doing some work. So they were, I think, a videographer or a video developer, and they got paid in Bitcoin and they put it in their wallet and they have since forgotten the password. Oof. And there's so many chances to get it. I think this, he said he's got 10 chances. He's already gone through eight. And he's mm -hmm. got two left and it's worth over 200 million or something ridiculous. I saw that. I saw right? that. That's actually so what that I was thinking. That kind of stuff is ridiculously scary to the average person because yeah. mm -hmm. as a financial advisor, it's like, let's talk about where we can invest our money. And if I have to tell someone, listen, write this down or remember, remember your password, because if you forget it, mm, it's, it's gone. It's, it's literally <laughs> unavailable to anybody. And that is a scary thought process in itself. So, you know, what's actually scary and kind of caught me um, was the guy that lost his password did what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to keep it digitally because that's susceptible to hackers. If you have your computer encrypted it just someone needs to devote enough time to getting into it to decrypting it and they'll get it so if you have it on your computer it's possible that it'll get hacked however you write that on a notepad no way no one's gonna like look through your house with like radar and read you know anyway um until your dog eats it until yeah no exactly until you lose it until you lose the piece of paper yeah yeah no i i personally have my um my passwords on a on a piece of paper and the recovery keys are very cryptographic so if you know how many numbers can be jumbled into how many different numbers you know how many words can be jumbled into like other or other not not different words but other combinations of words so generally you have a recovery key that's for your wallet for for either 12 letter not 12 letters 12 uh words or 24 words and they have to go in the exact order and they're random words like fly, uh, lazy, Pizza. Uh, orange. Yeah, no, it's it's always very odd, odd, odd words. But if you are considering putting um, any amount of money, literally any amount of money, I would I would 
I don't know, if you have a safe deposit box, I'd put it in there. If you have a safe, I'd put it in there. If you have a fireproof, you know, you know, I don't know, put it in there. But yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, well, that it's re- scary. reminds me of the old, the, the, you know, a couple of generations ago, people owning physical gold, they would literally mm. bury the gold. And it's like, I remember, I always say that to a couple of people I know that are getting older. I'm like, hey, where did you bury the gold? Because I know they <laughs> literally have buried it in their yard somewhere. And oh. it's like, they only know where. So yeah. if they pass away, it's not like I could dial up, hey, uh, Bank of America, uh, here's the password. Give me the gold. It's like, uh-huh. I don't know where it is. It's buried literally in the ground. So same with crypto. You can You can store it away from the computer and it's just gone if you lose it but then saying could be said about paper money if you take money out and you you know you have it in your hand you drop it it's gone yeah. there's no getting it back i'm more worried about unelected unaccountable leaders affecting my purchasing power that's what i'm worried about and that's why well, people there is um there is the idea that the cryptocurrency, which I believe is becoming more prominent, becoming more, uh, what's the word, real. I think mm. a lot of people thought it was a fantasy. It was make-believe. And a lot of people still do. Mm. But more and more people are buying it, so it's legitimized. And I think that there is um, becoming a, a, a bigger a part of the world. It's not just the U.S. It's, it's, it's international. Mm-hmm. Um, that is legitimizing it enough where it's becoming an alternative investment. It's becoming a alternative store of value. It's like gold. It's like silver. It's like bonds and stocks where you can put money there and it has some sort of value. The problem is when you're looking at a stock, it's like I own a bit of Apple, you know, of the company. So mm-hmm. I know it. I see it. They're selling stuff, overpriced stuff maybe, but at least I'm getting a piece of that. I get dividend. Um, Gold, I have it. Here it is, physical gold. I could store it, you know. But with cryptocurrency, you don't have that. You there's nothing to show for it. I think that scares a lot of people. Uh, so what you said was, it's not just a currency because mm. paper money is also nothing. It's just linen and paper, right? But right. Um, it also, you said, Bitcoin also serves as a vehicle to change and transfer money, mm. which is technology which people can kind of wrap their heads around so there are some actual practical uses of bitcoin ethereum and all these other cryptocurrencies i just want to go back and highlight the main innovation of bitcoin so before we needed a trusted third party we needed a venmo we needed a paypal we needed a visa we needed a bank of america a chase we needed some financial intermediary to check the account, check their own ledger, check our account, make sure the transaction was legit, that both parties had whatever they needed, um, that we no longer need that. So you now can send money to whomever you want, wherever the world, and instead of paying a $10, not a $10, 10% or 8% or 5% remittance fee, you can pay like one with with a crypto. So, and do bank, so I, I could see why banks wouldn't want this. Um, oh, you know, for like sure. If you, buy a house, if you buy a house for $500,000 and you need to wire money from this account to that, you're getting hit with the $15 wire fees and people hate that. You yeah. know, So this eliminates that whole 
intermediary, but what that's also very scary, I would say, because you don't have that bank, the person in the suit and tie or bow tie that is overseeing and, and so, you know, that sense of um, security. I want to, I want to highlight, I want to highlight one thing and it's that the people who will find the most value in Bitcoin and in cryptos are the underbanked population. So there are billions of people without a bank account. Those are the people that will benefit from this. The people to whom traditional banking services for one reason or another are not really feasible. Um, and, and, and as Dan said earlier, the, in Zimbabwe, in Brazil, in, in multiple countries around the world where hyperinflation is a problem, crypto adoption um, among especially the youth is like above 30%. And that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty sizable considering wow. here it's less than one. That's that's actually huge. I have a quick question, though, uh, mm. talking about mining versus buying. Can mm. I have can I have when I first looked into it, when when cryptocurrency first started to peak its head uh, in the populace anyway, uh, mm. and I heard about it on the news, I looked into it. And at that time, it seemed like the only way to really get in was to become a, a miner and, and set all that up. And I looked nope. into it and it seemed. Uh, I did the same confusing. thing that you did. So yeah. I, I like to think myself a nerd. I like to think, think myself a geek. No, I tried to build a no, computer no. and I really failed. I built a, a $1,400 paperweight. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I basically thought that I'd do the same thing when it came to, you know, Bitcoin mining or whatever. So the idea sure. of setting up a rig with graphics cards and all this, I was like, Ooh. I just want to do it. You know, I don't want to with all that, um, you know, I'll pay the power bill, but I, anyway, yeah. so there's a, there's a website that I only stumbled, stumbled across recently. It's called nice hash. And you basically, um, it does it for you. I don't know a damn thing about cryptocurrency mining and it does it for me. Um, I can input my kilowatt per hour energy costs and it'll automatically calculate, you know, my rate of profit. I can make it auto shut down if it's, if it's not profitable at this point in time, which has to do with the price of Bitcoin. Um, so generally as Bitcoin goes up, more people want to start mining, which helps facilitate, you know, transactions on the network. Um, but it also brings us ever more quickly to, um, the max supply, which is 21 million. And I don't know what's going to happen when we get to the max supply. Um, but that's not set to happen until 2150, long after that's we're a, all gone. That's an interesting point. So if the max is 21 million, which is appealing, because then mm. there's a limited <clears throat> amount, which allows the price to go up and you can justify it by saying, well, scarcity. Mm. But if the value is through the transactions being uh, exactly. Exactly. monitored by people that are mining it, if they're not going to get paid anymore to mine it, then where's their value? And will this so thing just absolutely collapse? One important caveat that I only just recently came to understand. You also receive the transaction fees that have accrued since the last block was mined. So basically, once a block is mined, all the work that has gone into verifying all of the transaction is now minted publicly on the ledger. Um, and then basically no transactions are verified. They're all like pending 
and they're receiving multiple confirmations with like each computer that's doing it. And once they receive, you know, enough confirmations and the block gets solved, that then gets moved on to the, the blockchain. So, but the people doing the mining, like I'm not, my computer isn't doing enough work to solve the algorithm at this point in time. The algorithm is really hard, but it's helping a little bit. It's verifying, you know, some transactions and I'm getting a little bit of transaction fees. It's really not that much. The computer's four years old, but it's um, the way I'm looking at it is I'm accruing an appreciate appreciating asset. Um, and I, I don't know. I love it. I'm, it's money. It's so, money for nothing, effectively. So, so you don't have to. But if I want to own Bitcoin or invest yep. in Bitcoin, I don't have to mine, be a miner, okay. do I? Oh, no, no you don't. No. Absolutely not. And you could buy it in a lot of different places. And I think that's where and now last show we did on it, Tony, was called Why Advisors Don't Talk About Bitcoin. Right. And it's because it's foreign. It's scary. A lot of the things were brought up with Jonah, which may be still unsolved, are scary to the traditional advisor. I'm not afraid of it. I do think that it's going to be. And that was one of my top five trends of 2021 was cryptocurrency. Mm. I think it's here to stay. Now, will it ultimately collapse like um, crazy? Like the Zeppelin? Go, go to zero and like the tulips did? Um <laughs> I don't know, but it's not going anywhere. It's going to be part of the lexicon. It's going to be part of life. And there are practical uses of Bitcoin. You can transact business. People are actually conducting business in Bitcoin. I saw there's a bar owner in Staten Island, I think it is, that's selling his bar for crypto for Bitcoin. Hmm. So, oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's a gimmick, right? Um, but if someone called me up right now and said, hey, listen, should I be buying um, Bitcoin at 37,500, I'd say, well, let's think about it right now. Bitcoin's at 37,950, but if you buy it right now, it might be at 40,620. Like as you're talking, this thing is so volatile. So that's what scares me, you know, like right now, Bitcoin, as we're speaking is probably has probably moved 1%, which is dramatic when it comes to currency. So I just want to currencies say are up and down. You know, if you make 1% in a year, you're like, wow, people can make 1% in a transaction in cryptocurrency in a matter of seconds. And that's what scares a lot of people. Wow. But I think it's here and I think it's an option for people. And I think that people don't need to be afraid of it. Yes, they need to learn more about it. But I think as advisors, we're going to be adding this as a alternative investment for sure. I came across a website that had several different exchanges because i was trying to find the bitcoin price but it's it's much like you know uh the price of a security it's not really that price you know it's just whatever the most recent transactions were like in that range like averaged um and the same thing goes for bitcoin so there are at least eight different exchanges at any point in time that'll all give you a different us dollar price in bitcoin that may vary by thousands of dollars yeah it's like going, remember the currency exchanges, Tony, at the airports where oh, you yeah. show up, right? And you'd yep. see what the U.S. dollar was. Yep. You get on a flight, you land, and all of a sudden the U.S. dollar has gone down in value. Like, wait a sec, yeah. that's not what I it was. I could have gotten, you know, Australian yeah. dollars, uh, you know, <laughs> and you felt like that's a scam, right? They're, they're, I'm right. not going to I'm not going to buy currency from them. Right. And but that was the only option. You had to go to the airport. You had to yep. get money at the airport and they had you against the wall. You had no yeah. choice. You want currency, you got to do it. Unless you worked with a taxi driver that would take 
currency would take the dollar that you yeah. want and you would do your own kind of fair value. And then when I started going abroad more, I was able to swipe my credit card and I trusted the credit card company to give me the up-to-date exchange rate. So I swipe it to buy dinner or whatever, and I would pay in U.S. dollars, but they would do the exchange. And I accepted that better than having to go get cash from the one oh, of those shady yeah. vendors. Yeah. Right. So I think these cryptocurrency exchanges are the shady airport currency vendors of our day back when that was the only way to change different currencies. And I think cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, whichever one you want, is replacing all that. And a lot of people don't like that. The, the institutions that make money off of transactions don't like it. So one hmm. thing to think about before we wrap this up is where do you make money in this? And I think it's just like owning a casino. You got to own the exchange people. You got to own one of these exchanges. They're making money hand over fist right now. There's no in that, yeah, no, in that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if this is too much to discuss. If it is, I'm sure we can edit it out. Um, that Coinbase is um, going public. And Coinbase, you know, Dan and I privately discussed is like essentially the new investment bank. So many of these coins find their seed money, their development money um, from, you know, private companies. And those private companies get an allocation of those coins. Mm. So it's very, 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 very very similar to the current system that we have with public companies and investment banks leading their IPOs. Um, right. and, but yeah, no public companies, you have physical assets, you have a service, you could see Oh, it, oh you can, you no, know, exactly. With these cryptocurrencies, you know, yeah. I think one of them's named after a dog. Is that right? Like <laughs> Dogecoin. Dogecoin? Like literally. Yep. Um, yep. So That's funny. Well, I don't, I don't want to um, <laughs> belabor the point I, but I, it is on the bottom of the screen right now. I want to point out that we're not suggesting people go out and buy Bitcoin right now or Ethereum or whatever. Um, Jonah, thanks for bringing this up, uh, helping us through it. Tony and I are just as confused as we were earlier, but that's just because we play that way. Yeah, In okay. reality, we're both into it. We both are willing to look at it. I'm willing oh, yeah. to look at it. My clients are asking about it. I think it's important. Yeah. That's why you're here, Jonah. We have clients that are asking us about it and we are serving them. We're not running away from it, even though that's the natural instinct is to run away or walk. Something you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, I want to end it with a video that um, again, uh, CNBC talking to someone. And I think this is from 2019. So it's already dated, but that's the beauty of it. You know, we always say, Tony, right? These talking heads say certain things um, and then they don't get accountable for it because they right. say things, oh, the market's going to crash in two years. Yeah. Who's going back in two years to look yeah. at it? Well, let's look at this exactly. video um, and on the way out. And I want to thank you both for joining me today. I, I think this was great. Um, any final comments, Jonah, before we jump into this video, which, by the way, was your suggestion? I think this is great. Um. Yes. So... This is very small, very quick. In March of 2010, when Bitcoin had just recently come up, only a few people across the world were mining it. Some person, a user by the name Smoke Too Much, auctioned 10,000 Bitcoin, and his starting bid was $50. No buyer was found. Okay. As of today, January 15, 2021, that 10,000 Bitcoin is now worth $373,804,000. Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> See, Tony, you should have t- you should have bid on that. I, I should you know have bid on it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. Let me let me round out by bringing this video, which I think is uh, pretty good. Now, keep in mind um, that these hindsight's always twenty twenty, but um, I have a feeling that people are going to get to the point where five years from now they're going to say. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that at, at some point crypto didn't, didn't exist. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when we say at some point these things didn't exist. I, like Tony, you remember going to concerts and hey, we have to meet at the uh, statue at the front before the, you know, like right. Think of right. think about that. I think that crypto is that, you know, but who am I? So let's go back a few, uh, uh, quite a few months now to this interview on CNBC. I think it's fascinating. It's a great way to end the show. And thanks, guys, for joining. You have been a big bull on Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, we had some folks that some people know on our show earlier this week. Becky was out in Omaha. I want to show you what they had to say if we yeah. could uh, roll the tape on Bitcoin from Mr. Munger and Mr. Buffett. The asset itself is creating nothing. I think it's a scumball activity. I would short it if there was an easy way to do it. So there you have it. You have Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, one of whom was calling it a scumball activity. The other saying, Bill Gates saying he would short this thing if he could. And you're saying they're all wrong. Yeah. Explain. Um, Well, look, not everybody is right all the time. And I think we have to acknowledge that we all have biases. And look, I'm a disciple of Buffett and Munger. And one of the things that um, they have said for years, which I believe, is you define a circle of competence and you stay within it. And I think it's been clear in his entire investing career that technology is not in his circle of competence. And so the only technology name that he's owned is Apple. I mean, you could claim that IBM was a technology company. That's borderline it's out of uh, that. <laughs> that that didn't work anyway yeah. right well i think uh that says it all you know yeah. um that that clip goes on for a little while um and talks about you know they the value of the cryptocurrency but that was from a while back that was when crypto when we talked about it tony when it was you know before it was right. 20,000 before it was 10,000 yeah. you know so anyway Thanks for joining us, guys, and I hope you guys have a good day. You as well. The topics on this show are wide-ranging, yet relevant to people approaching or living in retirement, like me. If there is a topic you want to hear on the show, head to dolphinfinancialgroup.com and contact Dan to request your topic or to share your opinion. Dan Mundo or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Delphi Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.